Hello and welcome to Behind the Hospital Curtain, the NNUH podcast, where we invite experts from across our hospitals to talk all about healthcare. I'm Susie Hawes and in this episode I'm talking to two of our emergency nurses who've recently featured on national TV. Earlier this year we had a production company come on site and spend time shadowing selected staff within various parts of our emergency department. I talked to Gemma Wright, one of our paediatric nurses who works in children's ED, and Rebecca Stopp, whose role is split between being a deputy sister on the shop floor and also working to support staff as a practice educator. We talk about why they chose careers in emergency nursing, what it takes to be an A&E nurse, and Gemma shares a personal story where we hear how she put her nursing skills to the test, and that is pretty amazing. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Rebecca, how long have you worked at the NNM? So I've worked here for about eight or nine years now. Um, I went straight into a and I haven't been anywhere else. So I absolutely love it. So that's why I've stayed. And what is it about A&E that you love? There is so much about A&E that I love. I love working with the patients, um, the staff. Um, I just love the pressured environment. I work really, really well under pressure. Um, as soon as I have to sort of plan in advance, I find that quite difficult, but I like dealing with things like there and then and, and dealing with it that way. Um, it's also so lovely to be a part of some in a part of someone's life in their the most troubling times and knowing that you yourself can make that a better place for them at that time. Um, and that you can really have an impact in their A&E journey. And that's why I really like making sure that you're there for those people and your staff as well. You're going through so much together. Um, so you build bonds and relationships so much quicker and more in depth than I think you would do anywhere else in the hospital, personally. So you've been here eight, nine years straight into A&E. Did you always kn- know you wanted to work like in that sort of environment or to be a nurse? Um, I, I didn't. I think I always wanted to be a nurse I did originally want to be a midwife and throughout all of high school that's what I wanted to do and then where I had my Southampton interview they called me back and said look we're really sorry you didn't get in for midwifery but let's try nursing we've got some spaces there so I was like okay I don't really want to have a gap year I'll do nursing so I went into nursing I should really know what it is for they teach and I so I learned a lot when I was there and don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed working with patients and working with staff, but there was always something missing and I don't know what it was. And then I had my a placement in Portsmouth and I was like, wow, I absolutely love it here. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. I don't want to be a midwife anymore. I want to be an A&E nurse for the rest of my life. <laughs> Amazing. Jenna, what about you? How long have you worked here at the, the Norfolk and Norwich? So I've been here in Ched now for three years, pretty much to the day, I think. Wow. And so you yourself have got uh, children, haven't yeah. you? How many have you got? I've got four. Wow. So you're busy then. <laughs> yeah. And um, had you always known that you wanted to work in healthcare or care or nursing? I can remember there being a TV programme when I was really little called Jimmy's and it's, it was like a documentary filmed up in a hostel in up north somewhere um, and I can remember being really interested in what the nurses were doing and they always seemed like 
their job was just amazing and I always had that kind of like I looked at them, the nurses in kind of awe and what's it like working here oh I absolutely love it say so we've got the best team like we are like a little family um and it's it's chaos it can be carnage um but we have really good laughs as well so I think working with the children is very different to working on the adult side we were always blowing bubbles using toys you know using distractions and trying to just keep it nice and fun over this side I think yeah you still got to have that kind of um rapport with the parents though as well I mean especially if they can be concerned you still got to have that side to you as well yeah no absolutely so I always say that you know it's it's very important that we treat the parents as well as the children so sometimes you know it is more about treating the parents anxieties because you know, their child's poorly and was the most precious thing to them in the entire world. And to try and explain to parents that, you know, they are going to be safe and they're going to be okay is sometimes half the battle. Yeah, definitely. Totally understandable, you know, your child's poorly and it's the most devastating thing in your life going on at that point. Do you think you, you have a benefit being a parent then if you work in CHED because you've kind of been through some of those bumps and... I think so. I would think that it gives me um, maybe a little bit more insight into how parents feel, especially because seeing my littlest mum was in NICU um, for a, only a short period of time, but, you know, it was still that experience of having a very unwell child um, and I've had, you know, my other ones have had bumps and breaks and stuff so I do understand that anxiety and I always say that being a mum is very different to being a nurse. You talked a bit about Theo being in NICU, did that kind of inspire you at all or make you think about going into nursing? Yes yeah, so um, when I was pregnant with Theo I was doing my um, access course to do my nursing degree and I was very unsure of whether I wanted to be a midwife or children's nurse. So at that point, I was still, you know, undecided of which branch to go down. And um, I'd had three healthy babies, you know, gone home straight away. So never expected to have any kind of neonatal stay or have a poorly baby. And I think it was just the experience of seeing how the children's nurses were with Theo totally made my mind up that I was way more interested in looking after the babies than I was the mum <laughs> so that from that point that's literally it within within a day I was like I know what I want to do I actually had to resit my um maths GCSEs which so happened that it was my second exam paper was 48 hours after I'd had Theo oh my so I really wanted to say I had to sneak out with the hospital to go and reset my BAPS GCSE exam to then go back to the hospital 48 hours after I'd had you. <laughs> oh my gosh. But at that point, I, I decided that at that point, I was like, that is what I'm going to do. And I think there was kind of no stopping me at that point. It was like, right, we're doing this. So what sort of person do you think you need to be to work in, in A&E? Wow. So I think there are a lot of qualities that makes a good A&E nurse and what you need to have. You need to be resilient um, because of the things that you see and the things that you hear and the things you have to deal with. That's probably the most important thing. 
also very mindful as well about what the patient is going through um, and how you can directly affect their journey. Um, work well under pressure and um, being a reflected practitioner, but that's in any job role. But in A&E, I would say that's really, really important. Um, and to be able to ask for help, not to be too proud about things and to ask for help whenever you need it. Yeah. Caring, kind and caring, obviously. Slip that one in there. <laughs> you say there's a good team here. I guess do you get a good variety? Uh, well, I suppose any day in A&E is different, isn't it? You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, so I think that's the whole joy of working in um, A&E is that we see all the injuries. We see, you know, we have um, mental health that we deal with. By the time they go to the wards, most of the injuries have gone home because we've fixed them up, we've glued their heads back together, we've fixed their arm back, and then they've gone. So we get to see the the huge variety of anything that could walk through the door. We also get the restus as well, which is, you know, you've the total worst case scenario that you could possibly see. So we have every aspect along the way and your day could go from zero to 100 in 30 minutes over here. So that's just what I love. So your job title at the moment is practice educator and deputy sister. So what does practice educator mean? And, and sort of how does your role, how is that split? So as far as being a practice educator, there's lots of different things within my role that I do. And um, so I help support staff. Um, especially if there's staff that are struggling as well, we can be there to support them. Um, we teach as well, so um, we do a lot of teaching. We do some mandatory training teaching and some other teaching as well. We also help sometimes with the recruitment process too. But it is really exciting and you get to work really closely with the staff as well, which is really nice. And then in my deputy sister role, it's basically working what we call in the shop floor, um, more or less being a little bit more senior so we tend to do a lot of coordinating in the areas and again working very closely with the staff and the patient so it's really nice for me to have the best of both worlds um, I really enjoy my job and I feel like where I am at the moment is is really ideal for me so So we've seen you in a new documentary, ED Nurses. Yeah. What was that like being filmed? Do you know what? I really wanted to be one of those people that were like, no, I don't want to be filmed. I don't want to do it. I'm <laughs> really excited. I'm not going to lie. put some extra makeup on. <laughs> yes, I did. I made a bit of an effort. No, I know there was a lot of people that, I mean, not a lot, but there were some people that, no, I don't want to be in front of the camera and... I really wanted to be like that, but I I was just very excited. I wanted to have my little bit of a claim to fame, you know. <laughs> and also show people what your jobs are like. I'm I'm very proud of what I do. And to be able to show my friends and family what it is that I do at work is it makes me it makes me really proud. And I don't think really, unless they were a patient, <laughs> they would really know what it is that I do. Exactly. Yeah. So how did the department feel about it? Was there sort of good camaraderie because I've seen some of it and I thought you know you all look really happy you were smiling you look like you enjoy your job so I would say that yes having the filming there did make it a little bit more exciting at the time but what you see is what you get 
that is genuinely what we are like in A&E all of the time. I think that it comes across sometimes you need to have a bit of a laugh as well. To <laughs> Oh my God, you really have to. The things that you see, we really do have to deal with some tough things. And some of the things you see can be really, really distressing. And so knowing that you have your colleagues with you that are almost like your friends as well really helps you get through every single shift. Um, I don't know if you've heard before, but it's known that A&E, um, people who work in A&E have a bit of a dark humour. So they say that sometimes like, like police officers as well, don't they? We get on quite well. When police officers come in, we do tend to have the same sort of camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, because we understand each other a little bit that you have to. I honestly think laughter is the best medicine. Obviously, with a, prof- a professional in front of the patients. But you have to. You have to have a laugh. Gets you through the day. Yeah. How uh, how do you deal with any particularly sort of sad moments? Um, is it something that you can go home and deal with privately? Or is it more like maybe you have a quick chat with a friend or colleague after a shift? How, how do you deal with it? I think sometimes, you know, there's been times where I've, I've got home, you know, and the, the kids have been in bed and you go up and you make sure you give them that extra cuddle and, you know, it makes you very, very grateful for having healthy children at home and you know it does put it all into perspective of what we can deal with and what we do see um as she working in A&E I see the risks of everything as well like so, don't climb that my kids are on monkey bars and I'm like don't jump like that or I can remember they were sledging and I was like lift your legs up because we'd been dealing with femur fractures every day in, in the snow and I think my kids probably think well, Mum's a nutter. Like, why would she let us climb up that climbing room for a <laughs> um, But I think in, you know, the kinds of emotional things, I think that's why we're a really good team here, is that we all support each other and, and we all know how each other feels. And we all deal with it differently. I'm very much a, right, we get on. And I think that, you know, having being a, a young mum, that kind of stuff have become very resilient and the environments that I've worked in to to having that, right, come on, move on. Um, you know, other people will go and have a cry and then come back and it's gain face back on. It's really hard, you know, because um, people deal with things differently. Um, I found um, to begin with, when I was newly qualified, I used to take a lot home, but in actual fact, I feel like that made things worse. It was a slight week because it was almost like I was taking work home with me. Mm-hmm. So personally, I like to talk to my colleagues about it at work and leave work at work. Yeah. Um, the department are very good at having debriefing. So if there's been a particularly uh, difficult situation that we've had to deal with, like in recess or maybe a death or maybe a trauma, um, we will have a debrief session that everyone comes together to support each other and to talk about exactly what it is that happened. Yeah, yeah. Equally as well, as the um, ED education team as well, we're there uh, for a lot of peer support as well. So if something has happened, they know that the doors are always open. They can come in and say, look, I've had this today and I think I just want to talk about a situation through with you and they can come in and talk to us and we can help them deal with what's happened. Yeah. So, Do you help a lot of the sort of newly qualified stuff or is it yeah. all stuff? We help all staff, yeah. basically, but we do concentrate a lot on the new staff because um, the skills 
that are needed to be a nurse. You don't always, sorry, be an A&E nurse. You don't always have them when you come into the department. It's something that's developed over time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so we help them develop those skills yeah. to be able to cope with the environment that they're in. Yeah, one thing I noticed was how young some of the staff are than really child. And I thought, okay, I'm getting old. Oh, they're all really young. <laughs> the episodes, Gemma, they speak to you about an experience with your mum. Do you mind just telling us a bit about that? So when two years ago, I had a phone call from my dad early in the morning um, and he told me that he'd woken up and found my mum unresponsive and... And luckily enough, I only live six doors away from my parents. Oh, wow. So I ran around to their house thinking, obviously, the worst, but not the worst. Yeah. Or hoping not to find the worst. And when I got there, my mum was um, unresponsive, not breathing, um, saying, obviously, phoned 999 and then started chest compressions on her and done nine minutes of chest compressions until the paramedic crew arrived. He then done another nine. Um, and she was, we had the air ambulance come out. She was intubated in the garden and um, off to hospital. We were given 24 hours because of how long she'd had um, without a heartbeat. And within four days, they'd taken the brief and tube out and she was sat up. Um, and I think within three weeks, she was out of hospital. Blimey. <laughs> but I suppose your nursing skills came in then. Or does, does adrenaline just take over? I don't know. you knew what you were doing, I guess. It was a really surreal experience because, you know, we, we, we do CPR here and, you know, we're trained for it and that's what we do. But that's in resource, yeah. That's in an environment where you've got doctors, you've got medications, you've yeah. got everything that you need around you. There was me and my mum and my dad in a room with yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, and I think I found it really difficult, the fact that, I knew what needed to happen and I couldn't do any more than what I was doing. Yeah. I knew that I had to do CPR and like chest compressions on my mum, but actually doing it was a totally different thing. Yeah. You know, no one ever wants to do it on somebody they know or or anybody for that matter. You know, we're trained to do that here, but you know, to, to have, for it to be your mum is a totally different different experience so i bet they were glad well one you live six doors away and two you're a nurse yeah and it took me a long time to kind of accept that i'd had anything to do with it i kind of felt like i'd just done what i needed to do and that you know the paramedics arrived and got our heartbeat back and you know then the air ambulance landed and were able to give her that critical care at home and it took me a long time to accept that I'd had any kind of involvement in it. I I just, I didn't feel like I I did. I felt like I'd just done what I needed to do. And for a long time, I kind of thought that I hesitated for too long. And, you know, obviously I didn't because we've had yes. a really good outcome. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a totally different, you know, experience to... Do you have siblings? No, I'm down. You'll be no. on. Oh, she didn't even have your siblings saying, "Oh, well done." Sister. No, no. But obviously, my oldest is twenty, so he totally understood what was going on. He looked after my little ones while I ran around and um, found mum. So he he totally knew what was going on. But it's all the things like you know, I wouldn't normally answer my phone at 
that time of the morning. No, it has happened to I just fine. Yeah, and like, I thought, oh, why is my dad phoning me? Yeah. Because I would, I'd normally thought, oh, I'm going to go down a shower, I'll phone it back later. But that day, for some reason, every just thing just fell into place. And if the paramedics and the air ambulance say that obviously the CPR that you've done had to help. Yeah, so um, in the handovers that they'd done, it was because she'd had quite a long downtime from her heart not beating. Every handover that was kind of done was that the CPR that I'd given was classed as effective because I'm a health yeah. professional and that's what we're kind of trained to do. So they, yeah. they knew that the CPR that my mum had been given was effective. Yeah. So, you know, definitely had a lot to do with it, Yeah. I think. How do you feel now when you look back on that? Does it, do you not like to think about it? Especially to like relive it, it must be a bit stressful. I found it quite difficult to come back and go into resus for the first time. I did find that quite difficult, um, especially in like a cardiac arrest situation. I found quite, I think the first one was the time that I needed to get in there and just get over yeah. the, the fear of doing it again. Yeah. Um, I think because we had a really good outcome with my mum, I know it works. Exactly. Giving me some comfort. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think maybe if, the outcome had been different I would probably feel a totally different way but I just sort of look back on it now and it doesn't really feel like it happened it feels surreal really really yeah surreal that it did happen and we went through that because she's now back to normal with no effects of it whatsoever is there any random reason why it happened though a same heart condition under the no so she had hundreds of tests yeah um so she went to a different hospital and got transferred up here once she was stable and she had all her heart checked out. She's had brain scans, heart scans, and they'd done angiograms to check on her arteries and her heart and there was no cause whatsoever. So she's now got a um, pacemaker and uh, oh, defib fitted because yeah. it couldn't work out a cause for it. So she's got that now fitted in case anything was to happen. Um, it's kind of just a little bit of a security. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, because otherwise I imagine it would be very uh, stressful, play on your mind. Yeah, it happen at any. Point. But it's also scary that we've never got an answer. Yeah, and that these things can just happen. You know, two weeks before she was celebrating her sixtieth birthday with all the family in the garden, and then that happens, and you don't really know why. No, because you always expect to kind of have a cause, and I think if you have a cause for something you can kind of tick it off the list and say, right, this is why this happened. Yeah. Because we never did for her to have, like, her pacemaker and her defib is, like you say, it's a little bit of a comfort there. Yeah. We know that there is something really that will help if it does happen again. Yeah. And thankfully, nothing has. But yeah, she came out of hospital. Going back to the filming, Gemma, for you, what was that like? Was it weird being on camera? The longer they were here, the more we got to know them and they got to know us. They knew who they could ask to film and, you know, who was quite comfortable filming. Yeah, and I didn't think that I'd be filmed that much. But, well, you've got near enough a whole episode dedicated to each <laughs> Oh, you do a sit down and watch it with your family? Yeah, so kind of going to get my mum and dad to come round and we'll watch sort of our episode and then I can go back and watch the rest of it. But they are really excited. Um, and keep saying, so Theo, when he went to school, 
they came and filmed Theo for his birthday and he went to school and said that I've got a film I've got a film crew following me after school and I think all well, his teachers are a bit like, okay, Theo, but they're going to see it. <laughs> That's lovely. What about sort of staying calm under pressure? I think you said you like that kind of environment where you, it's all quick, 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 quick. But how do you stay calm under pressure? Well, <laughs> like I said before about uh, learning um, your, you know, the skills in order to be able to cope. Um, I wasn't like that to begin with. No, I was. I think I probably cried at least once a week. <laughs> that was nearly qualified. Just because where else in your life would you have to deal with this sort of these sorts of situations? There's nothing really to prepare you. Your, your nursing training doesn't prepare you. Um, it's only in real time that you are there you know to learn those things yeah so that learning on the job exactly so it was never it was never like that to begin with you have to learn these things yeah and one thing I guess that you do have from the start you know they say like nursing is a vocation isn't it you're a certain type of person obviously caring by nature and that really came across in some of the episodes when you know certain patients or relatives were spoken to in a really kind way or even just a light-hearted way just to sort of you know, like just reassure them. Is that as important as the kind of medical nursing care, just that verbal communication? Oh, yeah. It's, I would say, equally important, if not more important. Um, because I think, like I said before, you're there with the patient at the most terrifying time. Like for you, you've just gone to work. To them, they probably don't come to A&E at all. You know, this is their first time, you know, that they've ever been in their lives. And they will remember you for a long time because coming to A&E isn't something that you do for fun is it you know you need us because it's an emergency and so they will remember you they will remember more or less every word that you've said to them and so if you can make that journey a little bit more comfortable and a little bit easier it's it's so rewarding but also what you saw isn't us necessarily trying to do that that is just us naturally yeah you know you're you're a nurse for a reason and it's because you care and because you care about the patients. It, it did come across as a really kind of caring yeah, and also a fun environment to work in and busy, 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 busy yeah. and logistically, um, well, I want to say a logistical nightmare at times. One thing I didn't realise is the amount of um, connection you must need with imaging, so CTs, oh my God, yeah. x-rays, also obviously like blood's been taken and needing a result quickly. How it's kind of that operational side that I think people don't know about with A&E, isn't it? How, who, who is in charge of all that and how does that happen? Uh, that is a very good question. Uh, so each shift we have, um, someone that's assigned a lead nurse essentially to make sure that the machine is well oiled and to make sure that we're ticking over and we also have our matrons as well that like to chip in it just ticks over um, and if there is a problem it seems to be dealt with fairly quickly you have to work as a team at the end of the day because say for example I don't know something's wrong in x-ray if x-ray didn't tell us we wouldn't know of course yeah. um, and so we work together I guess, to to solve the problem together. There's not necessarily one specific person that we have to rely on to make it keep ticking over. We are, it's all of us together as a team. 
and obviously there's always doctors around aren't there so you see the the conversations between the nurses yeah. and the doctors yeah. and often the doctors will be saying okay so we're going to do this that and the other yeah. so I guess you're just constantly learning you are you're you're constantly learning all of the time I think that's one of the main things that I love about A&E is that we respect each other's roles but equally there's not that feel of hierarchy do you see what I mean yeah so like you can have a laugh and a joke with the consultants and um, with the doctors with other nurses with the cleaners with absolutely everyone there doesn't feel to, to me that doesn't feel like there's that barrier or oh, I shouldn't talk to him because he's a consultant and things yeah. like that yeah um, yeah, it's one of the things I really like about working in a and It's like coming to work with your friends. Yeah, every it, day. It, it looked like that it as is. well. Yeah, it's uh, great. And that sort of moves me on to sort of next question, sort of advice for anyone who's thinking about a career in nursing. So I think we've spoken about the type of person you need to be, but what advice would you give to someone who, who thinks, yep, yeah, I want to be an ED nurse? Um, I think my advice would be before you make that decision, Make sure that you've had any kind of like, like shadowing at all within that those areas. I know in your nursing placement, you probably, if you're interested in A&E, would really like a placement in A&E. But if you can't, that's fine. Just make sure you get some kind of exposure before you want to make that decision. For me, it never crossed my mind until I had my placement. I was absolutely sold. There's a saying in A&E that you either sink or swim. So you either really, really love it or you really, really hate it. And that will help you there. Yeah. And also just try not to be too hard on yourself. Um, just remember that there's lots of people around you. I think because it's A&E, people are quite scared to go there because they think, well, there's surely there's not that much support because everyone's so busy. But there is so much support in A&E. Like in the wards, you know, if you need a doctor, sometimes you have to call them down, mm. you know, whereas there's a doctor to your left, to your right, you know, there's another senior nurse right there. So there's always people to help. Do you remember your first day once you were qualified in your first shift in ED? <laughs> All I can remember being newly qualified is being absolutely terrified. But I don't think that's because I was an A&E. I think it's just any newly qualified nurse feels absolutely terrified. And if they don't, then there's something wrong with the Um And also feeling incredibly proud of myself that I'd got here. And just to call myself a nurse, it was that in itself just felt so rewarding. Thank you to both of my guests, Gemma and Rebecca, for taking the time to talk to me about what it's like to work in our emergency departments. If you've not already seen the series, you can watch any of the episodes on the streaming service ITVX, which is on demand, and you can watch more about Gemma's story in particular in episode 8, which airs on Tuesday the 24th of October. We'd love to hear what you think of the documentary, so please do feel free to comment on our social media platforms and let us know. Until next time, take care.